You know what time it is. Dream, plan, execute, episode 13. This is your opportunity to learn from other individuals working on their entrepreneurial and project management dreams and how they implement their dream, plan, and execute. In this podcast, we'll explore the metaphysics of dreaming and how to follow and listen to your intuition. We'll explore strategies from project management such as planning, writing down goals, scheduling, and budgeting. Then we'll move to execution. We'll explore topics such as operational efficiency, mental toughness, grit, and using an athletic mindset. I'm your host, Ramon Parchment. Stay tuned and enjoy the episode. Prince, how are you doing today? Hey, Ramon, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How's the weather in New York right now? Uh, it's nice and sunny, blue skies, but uh, a little chilly. Gotcha. Yeah, over here in Minnesota, it's not too bad. Finally, it's 65 outside, um, but... You know, duty calls, and I'm just happy that I could have you on this podcast because you're somebody who, from I met you, Prince, you've always exuded a, a, a level of confidence in the scope of work that you're doing, but also a ability to dream past the fringes that people would consider myself or you as construction workers to want to dream about and plan and execute. And that's the reason why I have you on the podcast. I want people to get to know who is Prince your upbringing, what you've done so far, and what's your dream plan and execute. So for the persons who don't know Prince, could you just kindly introduce yourself? Yeah, how you doing, everybody? Uh, my name, my real name is Kahim Addison. Um, a lot of people refer to me as Prince. Um, I've been in the union construction industry for about 15 years. Uh, I've been in you know, done everything that you could do in the steel business from uh, sweeping the floor, getting up all the dust to structural superintendent for one of the oldest steel fabricators in the New York City and tri-state area. Within my 12 years or so as a union iron worker, did a lot of high profile steel projects um, in the New York City area. You know, some such as City Global Headquarters, which was a tenant occupier renovation where I would Blessed with meeting Ramon himself on that project. Uh, One Pin Plaza, 66 Hudson Yards, NYU tenant fit out, New York Presbyterian. Uh, I was you know, blessed with being able to do the work at the World Trade Center rebuild on Towers 1, 3, and 4 in the hub. And uh, there was a bunch of other jobs that I did and closed out in the New York City area. A big long list, but... Um, you know, a little bit about myself is I'm pretty compassionate, you know, um, with what I'm doing, whatever it is. You know, I have the, the mindset that once I've started it, no matter how hard, uh, it's got to be finished. Um, That's a fact. You know, for the most part, I, I would like to just, you know, say that I'm a problem solver. I like problem solving. I like that there's a problem. I want to be the one to figure it out and get it done. Where uh, some people may, you know sit there and bank on it or try to stir away from it. I want to know exactly what it is and get my brain going on trying to, you know, rectify the issue. That's a hundred percent true because 
um, working with you, at two moments come to mind with you. Um, first time I really met you and saw your work when we were bringing that generator up onto the roof of Citibank. And just the way you were running the field, making sure everything was, um, it was a tight fit too inside that generator bank. But um, everyone spoke highly of your capabilities of getting that job done. And they would not give that to any and anyone if they didn't trust your ability to um, execute. And that's something that you've, um, time and time again, we worked on a different portion of the building, especially in the elevator that we're building, the double stacked elevator. And, you know, it wasn't an easy build, you know, in an occupied um, tenant space with also having to put reinforcing steel 30 floors above the opening. And still you were able to take that job and just figure out solutions faster than anyone else as it pertains to the steel could figure out. So, um, you know, I've seen you work. You've gotten a lot of um, accolades from other superintendents that I respect on the job. Um, for all the scope of work you've done, you did the roof terrace work, you ran the whole job. And um, no, it's just been a pleasure working with you, especially meeting you at City. But you've done... Something that's special about you is that you've not just thought about the work that you've done for your uh, someone's company, but you've gone and ventured into starting your own company. And that's amazing. Tell us about Pyramid Ironworks, how it started and the scope and the dream for the future of it. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, after doing all those projects, and, you know, kind of hearing people's thoughts about, how good I do it and, you know, giving me the praises, I would say, um, because, you know, just me doing it, I felt like I'm getting it done, but you need others to kind of give you the uh, accolades to kind of motivate you to do more or kind of just acknowledge that you are doing the right thing and it's not just in your head or you may have felt like you weren't doing that good and just having people like yourself um, that I well appreciate and other superintendents like you referenced that um, gives me feedback, kind of excelled me to uh, want more than the superintendent status that I have reached with, uh, you know, the company that I was working for. So, you know, as the pandemic came, you know, entrepreneurship was at the tip of everyone's brains. You know, a lot of people went out and started all different kind of companies and excelled with them. Um I had a power washing company going at the time as a secondary, you know, source of income. But uh, you know, just a secondary source of income and my talents with steel and my qualifications with steel, I just felt like um if I applied the same uh attitude toward the power washing company, I I felt like it would be a thing. So uh in twenty twenty one I decided to make the decision to start a union steel company called Pyramid Ironworks. Um, Pyramid Ironworks was, you know, kind of made to be a responsible, qualified MBE steel contractor. Um, and, you know, the MBE participation goals that's out there for some of the larger firms, you know, they have to reach out to smaller firms like what would be Pyramid Ironworks as a startup would be a smaller firm that potentially help the, the major contractor with procurement on the contract. So, um, you know, I just felt it would be a, a good thing. Um, MBE companies get a bad rap 
in New York. Uh, you hear about how they want all the work but don't want to do the work to get it. Uh, I've heard some pretty nasty stuff about MBE companies, and um, I just want to change the tide a little bit and try to you know provide, like I said, a, a qualified, responsible MBE company. No, I love it because uh, to your point, yeah, you know, we it, it's definitely in the industry that um, MWB companies just don't carry this type of quality as the next company does. And it, the reality is a lot of these companies have 50, 60, 70 years of um, overall experience prior to them being at this point, right? So a company just starting is working through all the growing pains of growing, but ultimately, um, it's good that someone with the competency that you have has started one versus someone capitalizing on the government requirements just to start the company and then try and figure out the technical details of a build. You know? You're 100% so, correct. And in the next portion of it is a large time, the person with the technical skills usually, um, you know, you could put certain persons 30 feet up and they feel comfortable in the air, right? But then the other uncomfortable portion of starting a business is dealing with like the insurance, the cost estimating, you know, those portions that um, for the first 15 years of your career, you never had to deal with. I know you have to go through the learn growing pains of learning that portion of the business. So as it pertains to yourself, who've done the actual physical work, you you know how to build with steel. What tips would you give with the insurance side, the cost estimating side that really stops and hinders good superintendents from starting their own company? Well, wow, that that's a very good one, Ramon. To be honest, um, when it comes to you know insurance, uh, let me see. Where do I start? Any tips? Starting out a steel company. <laughs> Stay away from New York City. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking somewhat, but for the most part, yeah. The insurance market in New York is uh, very, very unique, and it's like no no other place in the nation. Um, to say that, uh, I have a little bit of traveling you know, experience throughout the country, uh, taking you know various business classes offered to me throughout the country, and I got to meet other steel contractors from different parts of the nation. And you know, I'm having discussions with uh, you know uh, insurance people that are really skilled and able to teach us contractors different parts of uh, insurance and indemnity agreements and stuff like that. And, you know, once we discussed the New York area, um, they all kind of quiet down. Even the professionals that were teaching a class said that uh, unique, New York is a unique area. Now, you know, if, if, if I can embark on what it is that makes you know, New York so uh, unique, it, we have this thing called third-party action over, which is, um, you know, another supplement to your insurance. Or another, you know, form of coverage to your to your insurance, and um, you know, third party action over is an insurance where if uh, if I'm the sub on the job and um, for some reason one of my employees get hurt, uh, third party action over stops the the general contractor 
from being sued. Um, I'm probably going to be sued as a sub and my employee got hurt. I'll be sued. But then the with the coverage in place, the uh, the injured employee can't go on to sue me and the sub. I mean, me as the sub and also sue the, ge- the general contractor. So, um, you know, in layman's terms, it seems a little crazy. But if I had to think about it as me being the prime, um, personally, I wouldn't want to have to pay for a claim where I'm the prime and the sub's unsafe practice or lack of planning or just, you know, things happen kind of thing causes injury to a worker. And then I would have to pay for it. You know, I kind of bought in, I kind of bought in the sub and, you know, I vetted the sub and I felt that his practices were safe and, you know, incidents happened. I had everything set up as a prime. You know, I told him, you know, all of the safety things that I would like to have done on the project and things happened. But at that point, you know, I, I feel that the sub where the employee got hurt, you know, under his time clock or his competent person should kind of bear that responsibility. I, I shouldn't be, you know, sued also because I hired the sub. Like That seems kind of crazy. So, um, right. it, it's, it's there, they have it in place, but with that, it, it, it's extreme amount of money, not to mention, um, there's certain insurance companies that are not looking to give out structural steel policies to new startups at all. Mm. So, you know, just to kind of backtrack on what you were saying, um, as far as some of the companies and some of the general contractors out there or the word on the street, how they're comparing, you know, companies that's been around, like you said, 60, 70 years to MBE companies. These are the hurdles that you have to face. You know, you're not getting insurance. You know, you need your EMR rating to come down in three years. But if you can't get a decent um, insurance policy that's tied to the work that you're going to be doing, then, you know, you might have to venture off and, and do other work, you know, within the industry that doesn't have as much risk. So you can come in with cheaper insurance if you get a policy still. So the comparison is a little crazy. Like, you know, once again, like you referenced 60, 70 years, some of these companies been around. Um, I would right. love to see them in their first couple of years. And I would love to be the one judging them in their first couple of years to see, you know, how responsive they were or, you know, what they had in place and what they didn't. So um, I would definitely say, you know, definitely look into insurance before you get started up to see uh, possibly how much it may cost. Um, They have policies that's 100% earned, meaning, you know, the policy could be 300,000 for the year. And if you don't, wow. you know, if you don't make no money, they still want their three hundred thousand um, dollars, right? You know, so it it can be a lot. Um, so that, this is definitely a good question of why you'd want to, you know, kind of vet all the aspects of the business before going into the business. Um, yeah, there's there's that portion of it with the insurance, and then there's also like you know, so you have your operational costs, right? And then you still have to go out and win bids, right? And for you to win bids, you also need to have a competitive estimate, right, of the scope of work. And then, and also being able to package it in a way where you said you're responsive, right, where it makes sense that the line items are broken out 
And a large portion of that cost too is the estimate, right? You're there, you're putting in estimates for bids and you're not winning or winning. Um, how did you navigate the estimating hurdle also of the business? So the estimating hurdle, um, to be honest, it's it's a hurdle that I'm still trying to overcome. Um, right. You know, thankfully, you know, as we reference some of my experience, um, it helps. You know, right. uh, finding finding a steel estimator uh, is is a costly, timely battle. You know, you could you could be looking for an estimator while using one. And then while you're using him, you're realizing he's not as good or he's more experienced than, you know, uh, ornamental or miss metal, should I say. He's not right. he's not as experienced on a new structure, uh, renovation. He might not be, you know, so to find someone that's versatile or, or who has, you know, estimated these projects before, um, they're probably working for someone else, <laughs> to be honest. Right. Um, right. so with that, you know, what can help is the fact that you have some of the skills in the industry already so that when you're getting your estimates back from your estimator, you get to run over it and, you know, you can look at something and you're like, Hey, he says that we should be done in two hours over here. Like I remember the last four jobs that I did, there was no way I'm going to be done in, 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 in four and two hours there. So. You're right. Having experience and job completion records will definitely help you and your estimator. Um, you know, it's kind of similar to the stock market when you got moving averages. Um, right. It's the same thing. You know, if if you put in uh, 20 columns that, uh, let's say they were 1,200 pounds each, and, you know, they were pretty simple. You just walked up and bolted them down. If it took you an hour and a half to do those 20 columns, just stand them straight up, then you kind of have that as a as a, uh, a standard or uh, as, a, as a memory or moving average of what you can do per hour. Um, mm. You may throw some numbers at it if the column gets heavier, if there's more bolts that you got to put on it, or if there's some, you know, some temporary false work that you have to use until you connect the rest of the pieces. So, um you know the, the the thing with estimators is is a lot of the estimators that are actually estimating ha- haven't worked in the field in the industry that they're estimating right. so that that kind of makes it very mm-hmm. hard you know um they don't move from their desk some of these guys right you know it's that's like cool. how did you figure out everything that's going on out there in the field from your desk so once again, like I said, you know, just having those stats of what you did on the last, you know, 10 jobs or so um, helps. And, you know, if you're a new startup, an experienced field guy would definitely help, uh, you know, to mitigate some of the, the mistakes that um, can happen when an estimator is estimating. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's tough, especially for guys who are estimating from the desk, the level of detail that goes into really capturing a good cost. I mean, I've done estimates before and they usually have a, a factor that they use per square footage, but it's just not nuanced enough sometimes because there's just the logistics of how to get the members into the place that it needs to, you know, and the the, the last time with checking in 
through the loading dock, right? There just are some details that the last time going up the, the freight elevator, you remember when we were at City, <laughs> you, you literally, you're losing at least an hour just getting into the building, right? And there's just, those last times add up when you, you're trying to get a job going, get a job to stay on schedule and, you know, in your budget and have enough experienced field person like yourself um, working with someone who may have the technical skills of estimating, it just makes your estimate that much sharper and more accurate. And then there's also the game played of like, well, if I give the true estimate, do I win the bid? You know, do I, how do I go about giving an, an, I don't, an estimate where I don't get hurt, but also I don't want to be way out of the ballpark of the other person's estimating the job. It's a tough nuance to kind of balance out and it takes time. So, but while the, as it pertains to starting an MWBE um, company, like the steps where you went through and the lessons learned while doing that, because it's tough when people see MWBE status, you just fill out an application online. Is there other requirements for getting the status? So, um, yeah, as far as obtaining the status, obviously, you know, you would have to qualify for it. Um, you know, your personal net worth will come in question. You know, you can't be a multimillionaire uh, minority trying to capitalize on the benefits of the programs that's offered. Obviously, you know, your your race um, comes into play. Uh, a minimal time in business. Some some uh, agencies have, you know, a one-year requirement that you've been in business for one year uh, in order to receive the MWBE status. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's other programs that's out there that also offers MWBE status for a fee. Those programs, mm. I don't understand why you would want to charge an uh, MWBE uh, company. Um, I'm sure yeah. throughout this whole region, there's another company maybe bigger than that issuing agency that would invest, um, which is true. So I signed up for one program and it was in the New York region and they ended up being like a national uh, minority development, like supplier database. And mm. I looked um, in like Florida and I found, you know, another sector or another agency of theirs that was an affiliate. And on their website, I found that Lowe's um, was willing to pay for the fees that I paid to be certified. So um, it's definitely, you know, agencies out there that want to work with you and get you certified. Um, the biggest thing, Ramon, if you don't mind me saying it, is um, yeah. I feel that, the MWBE status um, mm -hmm. is really good because uh, it, it could definitely be vital to the growth of your business. Um, with with the status, you're not just saying, "Oh, hey, I'm an MWBE. Look at the sticker on my, you know, capability statement or on my business card." What it is right. is that depending on who issued you that MWBE status. Usually they have programs to assist you in education, procurement, and funding that, that may mm -hmm. be needed to perform on their contracts. Now, I feel this is a great thing because 
you know, you could single out, you can make uh, set asides and, you know, for MWBEs. And, you know, that that all that's all great. But if they really don't know what they're doing, then you're destined to fail. You're actually giving them a one way ticket to fail. Um, right. Versus you're bidding on a normal project with no MWBE uh, requirements. So you go in there, you bid and you might not win because the more qualified or the more experienced contractor got the right number and it makes sense. They were more responsive and they're, they're the way they answered certain things gave the, the procurement uh, team notification or some kind of indication that um, this is the better person to go with. Now with the MWBE, let's say they did a set aside, there's 10 MWBEs in that, you know, set aside that's bidding amongst each other to win a contract. If they didn't have the education part of it, then that's 10 people that could be set up potentially to all fail. So, you know, the education part is, is bigger than, than anything because, uh, having the money and knowing how to estimate the job, right. You could do all of that, but you know, you need the education to, to know how to submit the bids responsibly or read the specification sheets, you know, you can read drawings, but hey, if you don't know how to read the specification sheets. Oh boy! Huh. Yeah, you're you can yeah. you can be all messed up. You know, you got the quantities right, but you didn't make the actual product right. You know, right. they they ask for a certain grade steel with a certain finish on it, and you kind of miss that. But you did get it right. You gave them two hundred and fifty of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a tough industry, man. It's definitely a lot of moving pieces, like you said, and um, it requires a lot of technical details, um, attention to detail, and having you know a missed note. When I was in the estimating department back in the office, you know, we always said there's just a saying: there's the money's in the notes, right? Like the drawing is there for you to get your quantities, but you miss a real a, a key note in the details it could be the difference between a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand dollar miss right correct and so you know i'm reading the specs and just hammering between the specs and the notes then go to the drawing to see if it matches up is really how you go about trying to get um a decent understanding of what the intent is and then of course the drawings are always the hundred percent See, these are really to me eighty percent because they're just details that are just not well executed in the drawing, right? So, correct. You know, it's a tough, it's tough to get into that business, and um, I, I agree. You know, we gotta really assess what an NWB is doing. It, it's taking on such a monumental task of um, of competing in an arena, which is, I mean, New York is. The, one of the is the greatest construction industry right now, right in the U.S. And then you're talking about competing amongst some of these companies with a team of engineers, a team of estimators, right? It's not a one person has spent maybe 20 years of them of their life estimating one specific trade, maybe steel on concrete. Then you have someone else who does electrical. So. It's it's a team effort on those sides, and then you no, know, the MWB is trying to build a team. So there needs to be a, a little bit more understanding of how you would go about 
um, evaluating an MWBE and their experience, right? So and, and helping them through that by working with a larger GC who can give them that formal, you know, steps on how you would become more responsive. Yeah. Because on the GC side, we want good MWBs because you want, you really do want to meet the requirement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You do. So I feel, you know, just to add to that, yeah. on, on, on top of, you know, what we already discussed as far as MWBE versus, you know, being a normal mm -hmm. contract and experience and everything. It also seems like MWBEs are being rushed. You know, they're given, mm. they give, they're being invited to, to bid at the last minute, you know, a couple of days before, Hey, can you get me that number by tomorrow? It's like, mm. okay, how, you know, and it, it, the rushing part is rushed on the level that I just explained, which is an invite. And then overall, right. the whole program itself. I mean, when you think about programs, you think about funding and you know, you think about how much money they're putting into it and will they continue? Right. So it's almost like, you know, MB, MWBEs are kind of being rushed to to getting to the fold as a whole, you know, mm. you know, before they, they, they're looking at the statistics and saying, all right, well, we've been doing this for two years and we only have 10, you know, X, Y, Z's that came out of it. Maybe we should scale back funding. You know, now there's, you know, it's kind of like they're helping, but it's like, hurry up. And when you hurry up right. in this business, you probably miss something. A hundred percent. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the nuance of New York. So do you find yourself um, trying to build your repertoire outside of New York? So what have you been doing to, um, I know New York is just its own animal. We get that. But you say you start in your company. Would you say you go outside of New York, you go to Florida or in the Midwest, like what would you um, recommend in that regard? So, um, you know, obviously my personal thoughts about New York mm -hmm. is if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And uh, you know, we've all heard that before, but it's kind of true. It's how I look at it. You know, if you can endure the uh, hustle bustle, the attitudes, the, everything's got to be done now kind of attitude that's um, applied to this region. Um, I feel that not every other region, you know, because the big cities kind of all operate somewhat the same, but right. you know, Chicago's kind of like New York city, but you could say that, you know, a major city in Tennessee might not operate the same as Chicago and New York, you know? So right. you kind of get the slow down, you kind of get more room to do things. Um, you, you got different rules sometimes, um, definitely the insurance costs might be down less risk. Uh, you, you drop a beam or something goes swinging in, in the middle of nowhere, then you probably just missed, uh, if a beam goes swinging in New York city, you probably hit three buildings in a car. So <laughs> it, it, it can change very quick. Um, the reason also I recommended you know, maybe starting out somewhere else is because you will have the experience um, of, of mm -hmm. doing the business. That that doesn't change. You still will have the experience of going through the estimated pains and, you know, being responsive to submitting your bids. You still will have all that experience. What may be right. down is the actual cost of your whole operations while gaining that experience. 
um, you know, your overhead that that you would ensue owning a shop in in New York City region versus uh, owning a shop in Jersey or Pennsylvania or Delaware. That that right. overhead cost alone keeps you going to uh, kind of make sure that you accept a minimum uh, of jobs. You know, you say, "Ah, right, I'm not going to do that. It's too low. Like that that job won't make me enough money for my overhead. I'll just be wasting time." Right. So um, there's a big boom though too uh, in places that you reference as far as Texas and mm-hmm. Florida. Um, I get I hear about it all the time. I spoke with um, a company who's doing uh, a, a, a ship for the offshore wind energy that's coming to New York. And they said, hey, I said, I got a shop in Staten Island and I fabricate. They said, if you can get down to Texas right now, we could really use you. And I said, hey, mm. I'll move down to Texas right now. It's like, no, well, if, if only it was that easy. You know, they pick uh, <laughs> who they want to use. They're saying the problem right. is that they can't find enough uh, welders. They can't find enough fabricators. Some of my answer to that is increase the pay and you'll find whatever you're looking for. That's <laughs> true. It's kind of somewhat of my answer. You know, if you increase right. the pay, you'll, you'll get kind of what you're looking for. People will leave what they're doing to come work for you if you increase the pay. So, Yeah, it's just like that. there's that too because you – you know, in our industry, especially on the execution end of things where you're doing the actual work, there's a there's like this notion of beating down the numbers and then just having the guys having to eat that cost that you beat down. And it's just not right. You know, like you want to get quality work, you got to pay for it. You want sloppy work, then you the price does not equate to value, you know. And there's a lot of times you, you get numbers from trades and you'll go with sometimes if you have the opportunity a higher number just because of the you're just as good as your trades you know especially as a gc you know your trade the trade is the person who's building the job you know and you if you know that trade and you know the quality of work you pay the premium for them but it's just such nuanceness, you know, that you have to figure out this person just putting in a crazy number what's their quality of work Etc. Etc. Correct. Um, no, but but I agree with you with working outside of New York because, for instance, this job I'm on right now, where I'm running it with someone else who's more senior than myself, but it's just us two. Experience-wise, something like this in New York, I would have to wait maybe the next ten years to get this type of job <laughs> under my belt. But being out here in the Midwest, like you said, it's not like I'm in. A seventy-story building in a, a tenant-occupied space. Building this, this is in the open yard. You have the space to build. You have the space for laydown, and that is so big. It, the laydown space, having laydown space, changes the game, you know. Versus having to run in and out of a loading dock and freight. It's just completely different. Oh, yeah. You are gaining the technical experience of well, what is it to do coordinating fire alarm with the electrical how is it to coordinate um uh, the mechanical with the steel and the you know you get in the experience without the the pain of new york yeah pain right yeah so no i agree with you on that one so 
Hold uh, one thing I wanted to highlight with you because you you're very um introspective. You know what you're good at, what you're not good at, and then you you go out and seek um in, information in the areas that you're not good at. How how would you identify your signature strength, or how did you identify your signature strength? Uh, signature strength. I guess um that's something that's like constantly fluctuating lol you know because <laughs> if you think about it you're saying strengths you know strengths strong right. weak is weak right but uh right. sometimes you know you're not as strong or you don't have the strength that you have in certain areas that you do in others so mm. um you, you 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 have to be able to be honest with yourself and tell yourself that uh if you can't do that then you're, you're kind of running into uh, a form of failure almost right off the bat. This this right. this thing is it has a lot to do with maybe the one head, but it doesn't end with the one head. It doesn't continue with the one head. You you may have been the person to start up the business and had the great idea, the name, the logo, and everything else, but you're definitely going to need a team, a team of people that's better than you in certain aspects in certain things. So finding your strengths is definitely something that you want to do in order to be able to figure out what kind of team you need to hire. You got to know I'm not strong in this area. So I'll make sure I get someone super strong in that area. Let's use estimating for an example. If I don't feel as proficient, you know, um, like I said, once again, thank God I do have the experience to kind of help me a little bit. But if I didn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, have a, a whole setup of just running through estimators, not to say running through them, but vetting them, a, a very thorough vetting process to make sure that I'm getting someone that can make up for the strengths that I don't have in that area and exceed them. Right. Right, right, right. No, that's, that's, uh, that's the nuance of um being the CEO is just, you know, or even the, just knowing like the captain, I always think of it like the captain of a ship, right? Like, He's not the engine room mechanic. He trusts his engine room mechanic to keep the engine going, and his job is to chart the course and respect his engine room mechanic advice on the technical details of the engine, right? But his job and his purpose is to get the team, get the crewmen, get all the person who have the skills to actually operate and then chart that course. And, yeah, it takes it takes you, you know, being like, yeah, I'm not good at this portion, but there's somebody out there who is who is not good at the portion that I am. Mm-hmm. And together, you leverage each other's skill set to kind of build out a product. So, no, that's definitely um something that really hinders the start of a business. Is everyone you, you're trying to be everything, and it's okay for a portion, but when you're trying to scale, you kind of just kind of have to um let go of certain portions and give it to someone else to do. Yeah, hundred percent. So productivity tips, I mean like it's it's different working for yourself, right? Like it's not you don't have someone over your head telling you you have to hit this date. You know, you are now your own boss. You have to do it for yourself. So as it pertains to reducing procrastination and overall obstacles when it comes to executing the plan. Like what have you been doing or what do you seem to have helped you kind of get over those obstacles? Sure, procrastination. That's a good one. Um, you know, procrastination is something that 
I feel that we're, we're definitely all born with. Um, at the levels of how it can hinder us is up to us. Um, mm-hmm. If we want it to really kill us, we, we, we could really let it get in the way. You know, um, when you look at certain obstacles that's out there, uh, if you're faced with a major obstacle, you you could be more likely to procrastinate on it, um, depending on, you know, motivation tools that you may have had, whether it's someone that you, you know, you, you seek advice from and they give you that, hey, man, you think you're the only one? Keep going, you know, that kind of thing. Or, right. you know, it could be some Instagram posts with Denzel Washington or <laughs> it, it could be it could be almost anything. You know, it's just got to it's got to be something, though. Something has to be in place to kind of help you mm-hmm. keep excelling yourself um, or keep uh, past the procrastination because it happens fast. Um, definitely, you know, there's a ton of apps out now that yeah. you could set up. Uh, think it's the Monday app is a good one. Uh, they right. on there you can set up alarms. You can put the, the the level of urgency to the task that you're doing, whether you complete it or not. So they do have programs and apps that set up. It almost gives you a vibe of playing maybe a video game to some degree, where mm. you reach a certain level and the balloons come out. You've knocked off 10 tasks for the day what's next <laughs> you know uh yeah i mean robin hood kind of stole the model too right you know they kind of got a yeah, video game vibe to it so um clearly people love to be acknowledged for their accomplishments so if there's an yeah. app that helps you you know get down to the hour if 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 the hourly you know is giving you a problem where you're veering off or venturing off from right. what you were supposed to be doing within that hour, then maybe you have to have a a timer set up or an hourglass on your desk sometimes. You know, I'm going to flip this hourglass. And I'm going to put an hour to, you know, looking at this project. And all of a sudden I got up, made a bagel and came back. The hourglass is still going and I haven't <laughs> looked at the project. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, it's tough. Man. It is tough. Definitely. It is tough. Um you got to talk to yourself. If, yeah. if there's no one, you know, hopefully there's someone. Maybe it's just one person. It could be it could be a random person walking down the street and watches you fill your tank up every morning saying, yeah. oh, man, you're off your way to work, huh? All right, have another good one. You know, it's like, right. wow, this person sees that I'm up every morning doing it. Let me just keep going, you know. I think I'm on to something. Right. So it, it's it's really about talking to yourself and – uh, if, if that's your last resort, definitely talking to yourself. But if you have a good team around you, or family members back home or good friends, hopefully they're, they're kind of helping you see that you got to keep going and, you know, they're questioning you, Hey, what, what you got going on today? Or how's this going? You don't have the answers, you know, you should be honest in your head. Like, you know what? Nothing happened since the last time they asked me because I didn't do anything. <laughs> I was procrastinating, right. you know, and to be honest, you you really want to get after the procrastination because in this industry, that could be a job. You know, you got the email, they asked you to estimate it, you said you would, and then you didn't 
get the estimate out in a week because you look, you felt that you, you know you had more time instead of asking or just getting it done right away and getting it back to them. And that kind of right. stuff can make the difference, especially in New York where there is a lot of contractors. There's right. a lot of contractors. So you have to remember that too. You know, there's always somebody jacking the, knock you off and do it for themselves. Yeah, it's definitely one that, you know, I would say come on the operational efficiency where it's just like the more efficiently you can get stuff done, it's the, the quicker you can um, have more opportunities to hit the mark you're trying to hit with your goal for your company. You know? Yeah, so... But you, you mentioned something that I wanted to touch on, mm-hmm. but um, go ahead first. Yeah, so, you know, just to, you know, close out or kind of just elaborate on you know, my last thought in my head for procrastination, just think about it like this. Ask yourself, you know, if, 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 if I'm not doing it, then, then who is, you know, if, if you had a task to do and you're not doing it, then who is, and if no one's doing it, then then where's your dream going? And where's all this might to want to do better and build something? Where's that going? That's that's a simple question that should help define where, where your level of procrastination is at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like to that point, I um I always look at activities now, um as a P or C activity. P mean producing, C mean consuming. Hmm. And if I find that I'm doing more consuming than producing activities, then I need to switch the or flip the switch, right? Yeah, that's a good um, one. That means you just have to just stop consuming more, and then that you'll find the time. The time will find itself. You just have to reduce the amount of C activities you're doing and increase your output of um, P activities. And it doesn't have to be a lot each day. It just needs to be consistent, you know? Yes, I agree. I like that one, actually. Yeah, yeah. I look at this. Um, I saw this post and it resonated with me. It was like, if you have one raised, meaning like raised up to 365 power, which means each day, right? You just do. If you do 1% each day, um, you end up at 37 times what you started at. Just push each day 1%. I mean, as like, yeah, I can, I can afford to push each day 1%. But you do that over a long period of time, it adds up, you know? So, you know, that's one of the ways I look at um, procrastination. It's just like, I don't have to be amazing um 10x in one day i just need to be a little better than i was the day before just a little better than i was the day before. correct correct and, and and the beauty of what you're referencing is the day the day before right. the day after and and the, right. the beauty of that is, is 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 if you're blessed with life for that day that's another day that you could wake up and change the times for the day so if the last five right. days you did nothing Guess what? Tomorrow when you wake up, that could be the day when you start doing something. Right. <laughs> just, uh-huh. just like that, and you know, just pick a day. Just, just pick the day. The time is now, man. Yeah. So, you mentioned Robin Hood, and I, you know, I would be remiss if I did not, you know, highlight how good of an investor you are, because you talk, you're. You know, I was talking to you about steel at work, and then you, you, you mentioned I was like, yeah, you know, I was. I was um thinking about this investment I was in. I'm like, what investments like crypto and trading? I mean, just to just to add to 
your point, I'm going to give you your roses right now. Um, I was able to save my down payment for my house. But one of the things that helped a lot was investing in ACH. And the person who told me about ACH was you, right? And um, when ACH popped recently because of the Google news, I, I grabbed it and I put it to the site I needed for the down payment for the home. But, you know, it's being in touch with you. At the time, I wasn't even looking at crypto. I was not even interested in crypto. And you're like, you're joking. You got to look at crypto. So let's just talk about investing as a whole and trading. How did you get into crypto? You know, how how did you get involved in trading? Um, like, just start start off with like what what investing means to you. So, uh, investing. Um, yeah, yeah. That should be like a capitalized word whenever you say it. <laughs> all letters should be capped at all time. Investing. <laughs> um, <laughs> investing to me. Uh, the experience or what, what made me want to be an investor actually goes back to, I think, the second or third grade. Um, I grew up in uh, Long Island, um, Hempstead, Long Island, to be exact. It's not the best neighborhood. Um, and somehow, some way, within the elementary school, they allowed us to buy stock on the New York Stock Exchange. In the second wow. or third grade, it was the craziest thing I've ever done. Um, I actually bought TDK. If uh, really, yeah, if you guys are you know a little older, then you would know TDK was the tape maker back in the day, and you know tapes were big. You know we cross them off, stuff the tissue inside the corners, and record over them. And if your tape popped, obviously you know you got to get a new tape. So. Um, right. I picked the company TDK and it was kind of crazy because TDK's global headquarters was local to me within two miles mm. of where I lived. So uh, not that it made a difference, you know, I had to reach out to them and get all of their company information, you know, um, the whole company portfolio, their earnings sheets, uh, their balance sheet, everything, you know, like I said, in the second or third grade, bought the stock. Um, I had to do like a three board presentation where I made a gigantic tape and we actually, uh, went to the stock exchange and rang the bell and we did all of that in the second and third grade. You rang the bell. Yeah. Yeah. We all did. Oh, yeah. Man, we all stood cool. there and, uh, the whole class, you know, we all stood there and it was pretty cool. So as I grew up, you know, just kind of kept my head on it and just the thought about it, but not really like so much, you know, I definitely forgot about it all. Mm. And I would say Tesla kind of opened my eyes to it and reading the newspaper, mm. traveling to the city, you know, you're traveling to the city every day from Long Island. You see people reading the wall street journal and you're looking at these brokers on the train and, you know, I'm sitting there with dirty boots and they got nice clean Ferragamo shoes on and, you know, it's like, I I kind of want to think about what it is that they're doing or, or possibly make an investment, you know, or buy a stock. And you hear about people, you know, dividends, you know, hear dividend payments, you know, you hear about all of this and it kind of intrigued me to want to kind of set that up, you know, with, with the money right. that, that I was making, I ain't working. 
I kind of wanted to put some more to the side and and have some something tied in, some kind of money tied into some kind of investment that uh, I would never touch or that can hopefully lead me to some kind of comfortability financially later down the road in life. So mm. I really wanted to get into Tesla. Um, but at the time I had the money in hand to, to put what would have been uh, a change in life. Maybe, maybe not even us having this conversation. <laughs> maybe we would never have met, but uh, right. at, the, at the time, or put it this way, if the money was in there at the time that I wanted to do it, we would have never, mm-hmm. we possibly would have never have met on these terms. <laughs> that's, Dr. that's a fact. So <laughs> some of, some of what changed that was technology. At the time when I was right. looking to put the money down, there was no Robin Hood. There was no apps per se, or right. they weren't as friendly. Or if there was an app out there, you know, you, you still had to go through a bunch of different things to get going with your account versus Robinhood. Mm-hmm. You can plunk the first thousand down and, you know, it's instant deposit and you're trading away. And some of right. the other uh, trading firms have done that now or they have their apps set up. But back then, I literally would have to take my money, go sit down with a broker, discuss what I don't know. <laughs> you know, what what is he doing for me? Like, I, I, you know, I don't know. When I do it on Robinhood, yeah. I don't discuss anything with a broker. So I, I kind of don't, you know, maybe it probably would have been a good thing to sit down with someone and right. speak with them about, you know, what they can give me. But I always felt from what I knew, that I would be making those people money. And, um, right. you know, there's, there's obviously different ways to deal with them to make sure that they're working for you and you're not working for them kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely technology changed everything. So uh, I missed the first Bitcoin wave. And, you know, all the iron workers, we were all talking about it, you know, back in 2017 or so, you know, how it dropped and everything else. And um, I bought some Ethereum on the way down. I think I bought it around Mm -hmm. $300-something, maybe a little less. And then it really tanked and sat down low, and I just kept buying some more. And then, you know, I think it was, what, 21 or 2020? Don't quote me on the year, but uh, it started all coming back. So I already had deleted the app off my phone because I didn't want to look at it. (laughs) It had nothing to do with selling the stuff. I didn't sell it. I just didn't want to look at it. You know, it wasn't a tremendous amount, but it was enough to it. I just want to, didn't want to look at it. And I figured if I don't look at it, maybe I'll come back and it'll be something. And it did. It did. It started, (laughs) it started waking up and, you know, it yielded me uh, some pretty good percentages, you know? And from there, I kind of was motivated again. And with the pandemic, you know, just sitting home, um, seeing, you know, the lows, and how how the market just tanked like that, and mm-hmm. watching the stuff come back up, it was uh, it was inspiring that uh, when it goes down, it'll come back up. Now, <laughs> I don't know if there's a disclaimer on this, but that is definitely not true. Some stuff does go out and never come back. But right. Uh, a vast amount of investments drop and they do come back 
or depending on where you bought them in at, if you did your research, you could um you could definitely you know buy in on a dip and make some money on the way back up. So, so how do you transition from buying stock into trading um trading options? Oh yeah, so my my options trading. So you know it was just like everything else. You know you, you kind of in a field, you're kind of doing something. If, you know, if I'm in iron working, then maybe, I, yeah, I want to learn how to iron. I want to learn how to weld. Um, mm. I don't even want to learn how to plumb up. So I was buying, you know, the stock and holding it and kind of swing trading it, you know, just buying the stocks itself and um, just doing researches on ETFs, just trying to broaden my horizons more on mm -hmm. different ways to make money and, more I looked, I realized there's a plethora of ways to make money off the market. Ups, downs from you, I learned sideways. Right. <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> there's, 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 there's so many different ways. So um, somehow I got into options trading. I wish, really wish I could pinpoint it more. But I think it mm -hmm. was definitely just watching people make money off of them and right. really understanding the concept of what it is that they're doing they're basically borrowing they're making money off of borrowed borrowed uh borrowed assets in a sense right. if if they can you know make a, a a good guess or educated guess should i say on where right. it would be in the future so with that the understanding of what it was and the multiplier of what you yield if you bought an option versus swing trading, you know, a swing trade, if, it, if a swing trade gives you 3% in a day and you bought a similar option uh, that can move somewhat with it, you're, you're moving 15% versus uh, the swing trade moving 3% in a day. So that, that intrigued me some more, you know, I can get 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, Obviously, winning and, you know, certain things kind of intrigued me to get more into it. Now, you know, with that, there had to be some 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 loss, <laughs> some lost I funds. Call it market, I call it market tuition. You know, you pay for school, so, you know, yeah. you have to pay some market tuition. Yeah, I mean, what yeah. is a win if you never lost, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, with, with that. I, I kind of just kept going with it. And um, there was this AMC trades where right. I, you know, pulled in thousands of percentages, um, right. jumping all over the, you know, the, the, the floor of the building, you know, guys are looking, what, what's going on with you over there? I don't know nothing. <laughs> I'm not buying lunch for nobody, you know, so. <laughs> oh, nothing, you know, my kid got a hundred on his test. So I'm, I'm super happy. You know, super exciting. Yeah, but little did I know, it was you know at that time there was a lot of people who had actually um, got into it, but a lot of people mm -hmm. were, were swing trading. So when they heard that yeah. I put in like thirty nine dollars on a, on a random AMC option and yielded thousands of dollars afterward, they were like, "What?" But what I found that um, not a lot of people really understand it as as simple as it can be i find right. that a, not a lot of people gravitate toward it or like the idea of how it works or right. just understand understand the whole concept of it all and 
I try to help everybody, which is just a yeah. normal practice of mine. So I sent them YouTube videos. I explained, I explained it in lamest terms as much as possible. I've tied it to other things, you know, like leasing a car and, you know, it's, it's just not for everybody. Yeah, really, it really isn't because, um, yeah, I find that I, maybe it's just a bias to our industry, but I feel that the technical details and requirements necessary to build a job properly <clears throat> and the the skill that you need to have accomplished and learned over 10, 15 years to be a master electrician or master iron worker, um, it, it, it's comparable to the length, um, to the requirements of focus and discipline to learn options. In fact, I think options is probably easier to learn. It is way easier to learn than what we do in our industry. But like you say, it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to spend the time to sit down and learn it the same way you would learn to be a master builder, right? And, um, you know, you have to have that genuine curiosity to want to be a part of the market and, you know, learn the, the tricks of the trade and, learn how to read technical analysis to see support and resistance zones and, um, you know, come up with a, a strategy for what you think it's going to do in the future, right? Um, based on what it's done in the past and what's going on in the global economy. And it sounds like a lot when you hear it initially, but once you, you know, get past what it sounds like and, like you said, get into the details, you realize how, um, simply can be once you, it's like learning, learning how to ride a bicycle, you know, or learning how to drive a car. So, mm -hmm. so, um, so just to, you know, not to cut you off there, but you know, you, you said, you said, you said, um, you know, you're trying to figure out where it's going to be in the future. So there you go. Mm -hmm. You're, you're estimating. <laughs> right. It, it just exactly. it comes back rule. You know, you're looking at your moving averages, which I discussed earlier. Uh, right. you know, knowing what jobs you completed and it's, it's sort of the same, you know, you're kind of seeing where, where the company was, what kind of numbers it did, what, what were the catalysts yeah. for those numbers at that time? Um, and you're watching those moving averages and you're putting in somewhat of an estimate by buying an option saying that you think right. this, it's going to be there. <laughs> Hopefully you put in a good estimate. <laughs> or you lose the bid <laughs> yeah yeah some say guessing when it comes to option but i don't like the word guessing because you shouldn't be no. guessing at anything you should no. you should kind of be doing it's a, it's a strategic um estimate yeah yeah and i swear i tell you it's better than um putting it on a on a, a basketball game or a football game because you kind of have more of a larger probability of winning your estimates on a on an option if you really learn it well than in a football game where it's, it's really out of your control you know yeah some snow comes down all of a sudden your lead quarterback just slipped i don't know how you can estimate that <laughs> you know yeah, well right. he's played 10 snow games he's never slipped <laughs> yeah, right. that one game he slips in the snow and it's like ah oh, there goes my estimate <laughs> Yeah, and you know that happens sometimes. You get of some course. news that just completely crush your 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 options trade. But you know what? If I'm the the way I'm seeing it is, if you're willing to do it with a football game, if you want, to, it's easier to do it football because it's just it's just more liquid and it just makes sense. You grew up watching football, right? Correct. But you know, 
here there's an opportunity of like like one of the trades has just completed. I mean, it was a five day trade and the ROI is forty percent. I'm at work, I put the that you know, plan out the trade, executed the trade, and I went back to work. Because like I said, uh, you know, I, I my trading strategies I love when it goes sideways. If it's going sideways, it's perfect. It's not going anywhere. I can run around the day and not even look at the phone. It's more like a semi-passive style of trading, right? Yes. But, um, you know, there's bigger money to be made if you want to be an active trader day in, day out, sticking and moving and driving. But or myself and ourselves is not something that you have the luxury of sitting around the 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 trading desk or your computer, or your phone, the whole day just gleaming at your phone for those entries. And so, yeah, it's just finding those nuances and, and figuring out, you know, what works for you and how detailed you want to go down that rabbit hole. But it's worth, I think it's worth going down there. It has really things in life that has high leverage, right? I mean, you put in a little and you get a lot. Real estate is one of those. You put 20% down, you get 80% back, right? Mm-hmm to buy a home that you can you know, rent out and get cash flow. Then the next one is is options. I mean, you're you're basically allowed to manage and control a hundred shares of a stock with less than a third of the cost. Correct. You know, so if you're thinking about risk, depending if you learn how to, you know, manage yourself and carry yourself well in that environment, it's less risky holding the options contract. This is literally less capital, but still able to capture the same gains of a ho- holding a hundred shares of a stock. Yeah, if not more. <laughs> if not more. <laughs> yeah, not- I mean, people, like I said, the concept is not for everybody. Uh, but, right. you know, the explanation that you just gave is just as clear as it is. I mean, it's kind of less risk, but, you know, or more yeah. risk, less investment, or, you know, it, there's, there's obviously ways to look at it, right? You know, some people are like, right. oh, I, I'll spend more, but I, I I don't have to worry about losing it. I can just wait a couple of years to get it back if it ever went down. Like, 100%. yeah, but, you know, so all of those answers, though, Ramon, and you'll agree, all of those answers about what you can do all determines on what strategy you're looking for, whether you're trying to get a short-term gain a long-term right. gain or you need this money in two years for something, then, then, yeah. then it, of course, there's always a way to look at it if you if you don't have that nailed down. If it's a short-term thing, then, you know, you, you have certain things that you have to do. If you don't have that nailed yeah. down, then you can look at it any way you want, you know? So Yeah, it's just like, I think of it like driving. Like, you know, you, you can... How, how fast are you willing to drive depending on what you're doing? If you have an open stretch of road, it might be just temporary. You know, it's just, it's just, I, I always think of it like never going to something, not knowing you have a, a range of what, why you're doing what you're doing. Right. And understanding why you're doing what you're doing. Like a trade is not an investment sometimes because it, you could just be capturing momentum. Right. Correct. Versus the long-term outlook of what this company is, right? So you hear Apple you have some bad news and you short it to the downside. You're not going to short Apple in in there uh, for a long period of time because it's Apple and it's going to go back up. It's the one of the best companies in the world, right? So it's just 
knowing why you're doing what you're doing. So there's that. So one thing I wanted to like ca- capture with you is, you know, we're all, you know, go-getters, high achievers, working hard to get to our goals. But there are moments in life where you have this low energy moment, low momentum moment. How do you go about dealing with those moments where, you know, things just not going according to plan, options trade not working, you lose out on a bid, you know, how do you recover and like get back on the, on the task ahead? Um, yeah, I would say that's a good one. Um, you know, it happens. Um, right. you know, I say, oh, you gotta be strong. You gotta be this, you know, we've said it a bunch of times, everyone's different. Um, how we approach problems is different. How we deal with our problems are different, but, uh, the, the outcome should be the same for everyone or should kind of end the same, which is, you know, get back to it, stay, stay in the rut and keep going. You know, it it should never be a, a, a give up mentality. Um, you know, the daily grind is, it's just that it's it's grinding daily you know it's not like every other day or so you know where the procrastination and everything comes back you know you want to be on your grind doing what you got to do um you got to talk to yourself again you know it happens to us all that's that's the way i think i think that the stuff that i'm going through um you know the Henry Ford, you know the the Roblox, you know all of these, you know Carnegies, all of these great people that built uh, stuff and you know had their mind into business and trying to change something had bad days, you know, and they had to go through them. And and what did they do? I may not know, but I know that they did it. So with that right. alone, it's just like figure it out, but just keep going. You know, and right. and the beauty of social media, which you won't hear me say that a lot, <laughs> right? <laughs> is there, there's actual you know web pages or Instagram handles, or if I'm even quoting this stuff right, I, I know I sound old saying this, but um, you know, there's 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 pages dedicated to help help you motivate yourself or to tell you pretty much that you're nothing special when it came to those problems that there's people that hit the same roadblocks and, you know, these are maybe the tools that they use to get over it. That, that information's out there more than it's ever been. Uh, right. You know, a lot of stuff's been tied to books. Some people don't read. So now what? They have audio books. So there's really, really no excuse more than ever to, um, right. to be motivated to, to keep going or, you know, to, to, to just have what it takes or find the information to, to culture your brain to get what it takes. Um, I would say a big thing for me for, for, you know, keeping me going is waking up early and working out. Um, I'm not like some muscle guy or anything like that. You're a big dude. Okay. All right. So I was born with uh, the body type. Uh, But as far as like, you know, spending more than an hour in a gym. No, not me. I actually don't have a gym membership. I have like an app that I can work out anywhere. 
you know, I stick to the calisthenics. I'll do some push-ups. I work on my own body. But right. um, more recently, I did purchase an app. You know, one of the things mm-hmm. you see on Instagram when they're showing a dad bod, you know, a little out right. of shape. That's me, the dad bod, a little out of shape. So now I'm trying to do that. And it does help because every morning I get up, I go to that app. It gives me my workout. It even tells me what I should be eating. tells me how much steps I should take. And, you know, it has... Like I said, again, the the check saying that I did it, my progress, because we all want right. to be acknowledged for achieving something. You know, I, I'll, I'll go and tell the family, hey, I did 12 out of 30 days. And they're like, doing what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, cool. Let me know when you hit 30. I still don't know what you're doing. But I guess once you hit 30 days, you, you've accomplished something. Right. So, right. you know, um. You know, like a daily thing for me, like I said, would be to, you know, wake up at 5 a.m., work out, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and have a routine that, uh, helps with, with structure instead of just waking mm-hmm. up and kind of winging it every day. You know, um, that can deter you. It could slow you down. It could, it can make you embark or, or harbor that, that messed up day you had yesterday, you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm still trying to get over that. It's so crazy, you know, in, in your head. And it's like, no, man, you know, go back to what you normally do. Wake up at your 5 a.m., start to check your emails. If that problem from yesterday is still there, you know, get through your communication with your team and, and you know, start to uh, figure out how to get that issue rectified, if, if it's rectifiable at that point. And move on, move on. Right. You know, those those are just milestones or or just supporting supporting facts. Like, if there was an issue yesterday, um, hopefully, it's something that no one got hurt. Hopefully, and right. that I think that's the bigger picture. If no one got hurt, you know, physically, mentally, people are always going to be hurt. <laughs> but physically, right. if no one got hurt. I mean that's the that's the bigger thing. That means everyone lives another day potentially to go on and fix their mental to uh never do that what what, what got you there or learn how to be better than that issue that, that was at, at at hand. And sleep. Don't forget about sleep, you know? Yeah, no, I love that you said um the wake up in the morning and working out. Um because part of the podcast um description is using an athletic mindset, right? And an athlete like yourself or in just or someone who get up and work out, there's so much benefits for working out. One is whatever was stressing you before, once you get a good sweat, it just doesn't have the same edge it had before, you know? No, like 100%. It, 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 you've, 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 a part of, so I was watching this podcast. It, it's a good podcast. Um, it's, the name of it is a diary of a CEO. And one of the persons who came on, it was um, a psychologist. He's talking about different types of brain that we generally have. We have your human, your monkey, and then you have your computer brain. And I'll, your computer is basically just the things that work in the background, what you don't think about. Your human is your rational side of you, your reasoning, your strategy, your able to put together a plan. And your, the monkey brain that's inside of us basically is the, the anxiety and the fear and the stress. And I find 
that you can quiet that portion of yourself through working out, right? So if something's really stressing me, I'll just go work out. And if I would angrily do the thing, I just, I'm a, a lot more ease doing it, even though it, it's the same task, it's the same problem. Just by working out and coming back to it, working out release, um, releases dopamine, which is the, the fact that you've completed a task. You've been probably listening to music. That's serotonin, right? That's All of these are feel-good drugs that you feel good doing or makes you feel good while you're doing something. Exercise allows you to do that and have that as a base. And then you know you finish a task. If I can lift this weight or work out and be consistent here, it'll translate into everything else you're doing. So yeah, I'm happy that you um recognize that. And you get most out of your day too, because it's an anchoring point. You start early in the morning, you're up earlier than most people, which means you've probably accomplished, you've gotten that out of the way. Now it's, you know, tackle the rest of the day. Correct. Correct. And uh, I guess, you know, just, just to elaborate for, for the, you know, uh, on on that part of it, I think um, just just ask yourself, you know, what would such and such do in this situation? I say such and such because, uh, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. say, oh, what, what would Jesus do? You know, what would this person? Do? Um, sometimes right. it, it's it's actual people that I know that I'm watching or mm-hmm. or and I'm, I'm I'm you know physically tied to them or you know like. Right, uh, like my little cousin, you know, I look at him and I'm seeing what he's accomplishing and his work ethic and how hard he goes about it and what he's achieving and still just goes right back to to the hard work and you know that's that's somebody that's living that I can look at and and think to myself if he could do it, I know I can do it. Just get through it. Right. So you know, definitely look at other people. Don't be afraid to look at other people. You know, don't get caught up in what they have. But just in, get caught up in the drive, the drive, mm. you know, and uh, maybe even just take a look at their failures to tell you that failure is out there, you know. Right. Just, just know that you're not the only person going through whatever you think you are for the most part, and <laughs> even if uniquely you are, you still have to overcome it and and build your character back up for good health reasons. No, that's a fact. So outside of um. This um this work grind, working out. What other stuff do you do outside of work for fun, your enjoyment? Um, outside of work, I work. Yeah. No. <laughs> 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 yeah. Outside of work, I work outside of work. <laughs> no, honestly, I try to live, you know, uh, outside of work as much as possible with with some balance. Um, you know, it, you definitely need to balance if, if you're applying, you know, a, a, a goal or if you're trying to reach a goal, um, if you're complacent in where you're at, then yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of time, you know, you go to work for somebody mm-hmm. and as soon as that clock strikes, you go live your life, you know, and do it again right. and again and again. But if you're really trying to, you know, grab or reach a goal, um, sometimes it just takes a little more than that. I'm not saying that, you know, the people that works and goes and plays the rest of the day or have fun the rest of the day don't have it figured out. It maybe right. maybe their goals are different. 
you know, and some mm-hmm. goals take a lot more work than play than others. And that that's truly mm-hmm. what I was trying to get at when I said that. Um, but, you know, I have family and kids, so, you know, working hard and doing things, you know, that came from me working hard is, is mm-hmm. confirming, you know, that, uh, I could do that cycle again. You know, maybe I work a little harder. Maybe I get more time to do, you know, things that I'd like to do or, um, you know, more revenue to, to spend on certain things that I'm doing that I may not have, you know? So, uh, for me, I, you know, I'm a beach bum. I I love the beach. I live on Long Island. Um, I'm like 10 minutes away from the beach. So, you know, I like, you know, go fishing, you know, swimming, they, they have car shows at the beach and stargazing, you know, but outdoors is pretty cool to me, you know, getting on a couple of walks. I know I sound crazy saying this stuff, but it it came with uh maturity and age. I couldn't see myself walking around a forest period. <laughs> uh, then again, the other day we went for a walk and I'm like, baby, next time we're going to bring the bike. You know, <laughs> right. you know, just the, the adventure side of me. So, um, that, that, no, it, it definitely adds to it, man. I mean, West Hempstead is right beside Hempstead. And, um, my wife, she's from West Hempstead and she's never been to the trail at West Hempstead Park until we, um, we got together. And she was like, I wish I knew this was out there more often because I would have just came out here and just walked. Well, you know? you've been gone for a while, huh? Yeah. They redid it. Yeah, so when I was there, they were working on it. They were working on portions of it, I could see, but I didn't get to see the finished product. Is it done now? Oh, it's done. It's beautiful. Oh, man, I can't It's wait. beautiful. <laughs> I did uh, five miles. You did five miles? Yeah, they, they really did some good work there. Um, hope they had some quality uh, MBEs on it. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. But uh, they definitely uh, did the right thing on there, and um, it's good for the community. You know, the access it's accessible from all sides now, which was something that wasn't there before. Um, oh, yeah, okay. I can you know I can access that park from Peninsula Boulevard, which wasn't readily available before. You would have to you know be more in depth into the park in order to be you know, accessible to certain areas of it. So it's, um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful what they did there. Well, I know when I get back, I'm going over there. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I'm happy you were able to come on the podcast because um, it's just the depth of knowledge that you've accomplished for yourself to have mastered, not just being a technical trade as an iron worker, but also have the nuance to want to be an entrepreneur and start a business in it. And then also have the openness and the grit to learn option trading and trading and investing on cryptocurrency. It just speaks to the plethora of things that you've accomplished and people can accomplish, even though they're, you know, you never put yourself in a box, right? This is, I'm an iron worker. This is all I can do, right? You've decided that, I can be and do more, even though I've become a master in this portion. And ultimately, that's the point of the podcast for people to dream, to plan, and to execute. So thank you for coming, brother. Yeah, man. I, I definitely appreciate you inviting me. And, you know, just from what you just said, you know, 
thinking about the box. Oh, I'm an iron worker. I'm an this. Hey, it could be people telling you what you're going to mm-hmm. be. That should be your number one motivation. People telling you, hey, you're just going to be a welder or you're just this. Like, you know what? I'll show you. There's my motivation right there. So there whatever go. motivates you, you know, to, to do your thing out there, um, take it, add some fire to it, and get going. Right, Ramon, Keep thank safe, you right? again. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Have brother. a good one. Anytime. We've come to the end of the episode. Always remember the road to greatness is long and hard. Always focus on progress over perfection. Execute relentlessly. Like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you soon. Keep safe.